0: Welcome to next big hit, Broadway Bullet Volume 4, your weekly free ride to destinations on and off Broadway. We got a lot of great coverage of the New York Musical Theater Festival continuing. We've got interviews and songs from Smoking Bloomberg.
2: Go go beach.
3: Now I know right from
2: wrong.
0: I've been
3: crying.
0: The Children,
3: lock, there's a key, the door to the
4: soul.
0: as well as Kingdom and This Could Be Love. We also have Marty Cooper with his On the Positive Side segment talking about shows that should have been hits. I wanted to let our listeners know, for those of you who may be new to podcasting or new to this show, that our feed is enhanced in iTunes, which means it's kind of like an audio magazine. You can easily skip between the segments that interest you the most. So make sure you subscribe in iTunes if you've got it. It is free. And let everybody know about that. Also, After the New York Musical Theater Festival coverage, we're going to be covering off-off-Broadway and off-Broadway, straight plays and musicals, as well as Broadway. We're working at lining up some interviews with some great shows and some real big-name actors, and there's one simple thing that you guys can do to really help us out in our campaign to get this great talent – and that is to discuss the show on our forums so that they can see your interest and slash or take like 30 seconds and write us a five-star review in iTunes so people can see just how much you love Broadway Bullet. Your effort in this small way will go a long way for us securing the most interesting and best talent to interview on this show. Your support will make it a lot easier for us because we do have a great location. We're located in the heart of Times Square, prime for attracting some of the top New York theater talent. So subscribe, review us, and visit our forums At BroadwayBullet.com, there's also links to all of the shows we discuss where you can find out their show performance dates, find more information about the show, and a whole lot more. And all you extreme theater buffs, you can learn how to stump the staff at the Drama Bookshop and win yourself a $20 gift certificate to the Drama Bookshop. It's good anywhere, wherever you are, they do ship internationally. Our winning question this week was submitted by Calliope, who asked this. In a cry of players, most of the characters in the play are based on real-life historical figures. In the play, only their first names are used. Name, first and last, at least six of the real characters. And because you're experts, let's say the bard doesn't count. You guys stumped? The drama bookshop wasn't, but Calliope was the last question answered and wins the $20 gift certificate. Tune in later on and we'll tell you how to stump the staff and the answer to this week's winning question. But let's jump right into the program with our first show and interview. Mayor Bloomberg is a supporter of the artistic scene in New York City, that is for sure. Though I doubt he ever suspected he'd end up the subject of a musical in quite this fashion. We have a couple of the people involved with Smoking Bloomberg here in the studio. How are you doing? Great. Good. How are you? Good. Would you like to take a quick moment to introduce yourselves? I'm Warren Loy.
5: I'm one of the four writers of the show.
6: And my name is James Donegan. I'm one of the co-producers. What
5: is Smoking Bloomberg about? Smoking Bloomberg is about a Korean dry cleaner owner who loses her business, it turns out, because of the smoking ban, the mayor's smoking ban, in bars and restaurants. Because, obviously, you don't have to clean your clothes after a night out on the town. They're all smoky and smelly. So, and this doesn't really jibe with her idea of what the American dream is. And she sets out to find out what the cause is and what she does to take revenge. Definitely sounds like a very interesting concept. <laughs> what made you hear songs? For starters, we were musical theater writers, so we were looking for projects to musicalize, but the idea was so zany, sort of, and this uh, idea of the kind of traditional musical theater heroine at the heart of this extremely zany world just uh, begged for some some kind of crazy songs, and uh, I think we found a bunch of
0: them. Does Michael Bloomberg actually appear? He does appear
5: uh, at the end, and he does uh, get a little singing moment, absolutely. How long has the show been in development? We've been working on it uh, about two years, actually. We have uh, kind of a unique collaboration in that there's four of us, and we all share credit on everything. Uh, Everything was pretty much written in one room, book, music, lyrics. We hit upon that concept uh, a couple years ago, and we started working on it.
0: I I know sometimes uh, a lot of writers have a hard time keeping the arguments down just with two or three, how does it how does it work working with four who are all participating in book, music, and lyrics? Well,
5: it's been surprisingly easy. None yeah. of us have huge egos, and at the end of the day, it's a comedy. And if all four of us are laughing, then we're probably on the right track. And if we're not, then we're not. So, and the show itself is ultimately about America and democracies. And it's been interesting to sort of consider our collaboration, this little democracy within itself.
7: Yeah, it That's was
6: really it. that was one of the things actually when Smoking Bloomberg is the winner of a new musical competition. We had this spring for Any Minute Now Productions. And one of the things that raised our eyebrows was a red flag to us. We're like, there are four writers. We have to deal with these four guys all the time. And they're the easiest, nicest, most easygoing guys. In the world, it's been really a great, joyful collaboration. Quickly, would you like to name the other writers in the show?
5: Yes, absolutely. It's uh, David Cornu, Sam Holtzappel, and Chris Todd. And would you like to take a second? Before we go on, we're going to play a song from Smoking Bloomberg. Would you like to introduce that first song? Sure. Uh, this first song is called "Perchloroethylene and You. Uh, perchloroethylene is the uh, the chemical that is responsible for, for getting clothes clean in the dry cleaning process. And this is uh, briefly, I guess, the lead, Kim, has just met... Uh, her sort of romantic interest who's also named Kim and they <laughs> d- discover their uh, their shared love for the, the dry cleaning arts
8: suede silk
7: top straps clean clean tagging, tagging, bagging, 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 sewing, sewing, oh my god i must Bust stains, cut stains, stains oil-based, oil-based, oil based, nail polish, all removed all with, all improved all made clean with, polishing with. Perchloroethylene. The miracle that makes it all possible. Say it again.
3: Perchloroethylene. Oh, it's too much. No, it's not enough.
0: James, yes. What is your role as uh, the producer with this show? Uh, my role personally is that I am
6: one of the co-founders of the company. I'm communication director, and I am everything on this. I mean, we're all pitching in for everything, so I'm, I think I'm also going to be an assistant stage manager <laughs> during the run. So you know, we all we're also a bit of a <laughs> a bit of a democracy. We try to be. Our role as a company any minute now is that, as I said, we had a competition this spring. For in search of what we feel is going to be the next big musical. A great ensemble, shows written for singing actors that give actors a chance to really sink their teeth into a role, if it's comedic or dramatic. So we had a range of shows submitted, and Smoking Bloomberg absolutely rose to the top. It's a a great piece. Both the judges of the competition and our audience in a live performance named it as their pick for the evening. Since January, really, we've been involved with talking with the writers, Helping provide a fresh set of ears, artistic directors especially, and then bringing a director on board helping cast it, all of that stuff. Are there any interesting
5: staging concepts for the show? Well, you know, there's obviously budget constraints in doing a a showcase production like this. The show's written sort of cinematically, where there's a whole bunch of locations uh, everywhere from City Hall to this uh, underground uh, cigar bar underneath Central Park to, of course, Kim's dry cleaning shop. So I think the director and the set designer were looking for a way to easily evoke all of those locations. And uh, the show starts with the dry cleaning shop, which is sort of the core of not only the show location-wise, but sort of the heart of the piece is this—the uh, this, dry cleaning. So we use those racks to create all of these different, uh, all the different locations. Now, are you guys smokers? No. Actually, neither of us. None of the writers are are smokers. So this isn't like a personal attack against Bloomberg. <laughs> <laughs> not, you know, oh, of course not. Not really, although. We, I mean ultimately, the idea sort of came when i I, I sort of I play on a dart team actually or did a couple of years ago when the smoking ban went out, and I just remember standing outside with the other guys on the team who smoked and hearing them just bitch and moan and whine <laughs> and uh, you know the bartenders were complaining and sort of and the whole city was up in arms and once we struck on this idea of the dry cleaner, it seemed in a good way into
0: uh, All right, so what are the dates that they can catch the show?
5: Uh, it's at the St. Clements Theatre, which is on 46th between 9th and 10th, and uh, we open on September 13th and, you know, run a crazy schedule uh, until Sunday, September 24th. Great. Right, well, would you like
0: to introduce the second song that we're going to play from
5: the show? Well, the second song is called Nick Nolte, and uh, the show is, major characters in the show are a group of smokers and a group of non-smokers who are, of course, at odds with each other, and uh, this scene involves the smokers who are smoking in the sewer, which is the last place in the city that they can really do it with impunity, and uh, they're looking for a way to um, to take over city council so that they can ultimately you know, re- revoke the smoking ban, and they're trying to uh, hit upon an ideal candidate to run, and it turns out maybe one of them is is in their midst.
0: All right. Well, thanks for coming down as you get ready in the final stretches of your rehearsals. And thanks you. for having us. We're stoked. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and good luck, and we'll take a listen to Nick Nolte. All
7: right. Can't you see who that is?
4: His hair is He reeks of booze. He's got a rat on his shoulder and puke on his shoes. There's only one man with a neck
7: this thick.
4: Well, it must be Nick Nolte. Nick Nolte. Nick fucking Nolte.
2: Nick Nolte. They'll all vote for Nick Nolte.
4: He's perfect. You'll do it, Nick. You'll run for council and win back our rights. Of course I'll do it. I'm Nick Nolte. Nick Nolte isn't qualified. In fact, he's drunk and mean. But everyone will vote for him because he's on the silver screen. True, sometimes he passes out right there in the street. But soon he'll pass out we'll pass from his city council seat. Nolte. Nick tea, no te no tea, no tea, Nick, no tea, Nick Nolte. Nick Nolte. Oh. they'll all vote for Nick, no tea. Nick will knock those bricks around down at City Hall. He'll win a the right smoke and buzzing at the mall. Everyone will join our calls when Nick starts taking sides. 'Cause no one wants to mess around with the motherfucking Prince of Tides. I'm the motherfucking Prince of Tides. It's He's the motherfucking, motherfucking Prince of Tides. Tides. Nick Nolte, Nick Nolte, Nick Nolte, Nick Nolte. Nick Nolte. Nick Nolte. Oh, we all love Nick
7: Nolte. Oh. Nick here starred in 48 Hours. Nolte and affliction.
4: affliction. <coughs> Vote for Nick Nolte. Jefferson and Paris the Hulk. Keep can Can you hear the people cheer? Vote for Nick. Nick Nolte.
3: The Nick really rose to glory in the Buddy Holly story.
7: Vote for
3: Nick. <laughs> Everybody stop cheering. What's what? What going on? Is is Nick on. Nolte wasn't in the Buddy Holly story. Who okay. cares? What does she mean? This isn't Nick Nolte. This is Gary Busey. What?
2: about?
4: Gary Busey sucks my balls! But I'm a movie star! People think you're talent free! I don't know who the hell you are! No one's gonna vote for this old washed up wrinkle dick! Busey Blow! Yeah, I see we go and track down good old Nick! Nick, 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 Nick Nolte! Nolte! Hey, fucking Nolte! Hey, Goddamn Nolte! Nick Nolte! We'll go and find no Nolte! Nolte. we the dignity.
7: Dignity. God save the Lord.
0: We've got a show here that's taking on the 60s movies in a unique take with Go Go Beach the musical. we got a few of the people involved with the production here. How's everybody doing? Very good. Great.
9: good. Thanks for having us.
8: Thank you. Would you
9: like to take just a second and introduce yourselves? Yeah, hi, I'm John Wims. I'm the book writer and lyricist for Go Go Beach.
8: I'm Colleen Sexton. I play Mindy Tinchilla, the pop star.
10: And John Simpkins, director.
9: First off, John W., yeah. uh, would you like to maybe tell us a little bit what Go Go Beach is about? It's a show that was inspired, obviously, by those fabulous 1960s beach party films. But what it's really about is about the shift of popular consciousness in the 60s. It's about, the, it's about that time when people, when the bubble burst and people realized that there was a big world out there that they needed to deal with. It was inspired by those films. But when I looked at them, I realized that in my mind, they were better than they actually are. The movies, are like, the movies aren't really good to watch. Like Visually, they're stunning, and it's, and it's a lot of fun, and the dancing's great, but the stories are bad. The, they were basically made like for teenagers to go and neck at the drive-in to watch. Right? That's what they were for. The idea was, okay, let's write a really good beach party musical, but for the theater. But when we started writing it, it just seemed like there wasn't enough of a good enough reason to do it, until we started looking at the research and realizing, okay, this is about the 60s, so what do we want to say? And then we started looking at today and thinking, well, how do we feel about today? what do we want to tell people about and what we really wanted to tell people about was that it's time to put more soul out into the world so our show is really about kids realizing that there's a deeper meaning to life and and waking up a bit right so Colleen what's your Hi. role in this show
8: I'm playing a very fun character actually who I adore uh, her name's Mindy Tinchilla and she's the pop star she's the there's there's a bunch of kids on a beach and they're huge fans of this pop star mini chinchilla and she's actually filming a movie called Gogo Beach right next door to these kids that are actually on the real Gogo Beach, and uh, she kind of runs away and she really wants to have a normal teenage life and you know she meets all these kids who are real real kids and who've had, grown up and and actually had a normal life and really wants to be more like them and. It's just a great character. I've got a bunch of great songs that I get to sing. And
9: so what was the inspiration for her character? The real inspiration was modern day pop stars like Jessica Simpson, Britney Spears, we figured like, because it was a comment on that character. It was a comment on the, the sort of the shallowness of that character and wanting to find the real person underneath it. But then when you look at those old movies, uh, in Beach Blanket Bingo, I think it was, there was Linda Evans from Dynasty played a character called Sugarcane who did a publicity stunt. She falls
10: out of an airplane and parachutes down oh, onto boy. the beach. And Paul Lind is her manager. As she sort of packs a bag and runs away and climbs over the rocks to the next beach, uh, she realizes that on this real Gogo Beach, there actually is a tie-in in the form of a dance contest, and so everybody on this, the real Gogo Beach, knows exactly who Minnie Chinchilla is. So then she's forced to kind of disguise herself, and and as the as the as the play unravels a bit, she uh, she has a, a bit of an identity crisis with yeah. who she can reveal her real identity to. Uh, as she makes her way through and, through the story and finds herself in the process. She gets to have
9: a real life for a
10: change. Yeah.
8: And mm. takes on her own name, which is her original name, before Sammy Leach created her as Minnie Chinchilla. She uh, goes back to being Shelley Goldberg.
0: <laughs> Alright, so, we're uh, going to play one of the songs here oh. quick, before we continue with the interview. Would you like to... Tell us a little
9: bit about this one. Yeah, this song is really interesting because actually uh, Colleen's character, Mindy Chinchilla, she doesn't actually sing this in the show. This is this is Mindy Chinchilla's latest hit that all the kids listen to on their transistor radios on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> and so we've recorded it to sound kind of like a 1960s pop single.
3: Riding down the road with the roof down About a hundred miles from hello Soon I'll be a hugging and a kiss
0: John Simpkins, uh, what is your involvement? How recently did you get involved in the uh, show? I,
10: I came on board about uh, five months ago or so, and as I met the the team, the two composers and John, they were sort of looking for not only a director for the festival that they had just been accepted to, the Nymph, but also looking for somebody with a bit of a dramaturgical eye as well to join their team so that the director could kind of be involved from the beginning, which is something that I uh, that I would love to spend my life doing. So it was a... It was a very attractive project and and subsequent to that we've worked kind of all summer non-stop to get ready to the point where we could could have this fabulous cast. Without giving all of the fun away I could tell you that the thing that attracts me the most to GoGo Beach is that that time in those beach movies offer you opportunities that you don't really get in in reality <laughs> and, and it's almost like those movies were kind of a, in a false world and and so what we've chosen to do is put real people in that world. It's as if you, you think you know exactly who Frankie and Annette are, for instance, in, in those movies. And, uh, and instead we're giving you real people that behave in this sort of fable world. So it offers the opportunity, uh, the, what I love the most about it is that from an acting perspective, which is the way that I approach everything, I can actually get actors to behave in a very real way, but we don't have the boundaries of a, of a reality that we're used to. We have the boundaries of, that are expanded a bit into like a beach party fable
9: and you know what the other thing is about staging was I think um, our choreographer Michelle Lynch sure. when she found out what the project was she just flipped because she's a big fan of the old the go-go dancing and I don't, I haven't seen any recently anyway I haven't seen any shows that really focus on that moment of dancing history that crazy wild carefree just go-go dancing stuff and I think that um you know, when you see, like, a bunch of really great-looking actors in period <laughs> costumes and bikinis, go-go dancing, it's kind of like it's a guilty pleasure. <laughs> in fact, the show does comment on that stuff, but at the same time... There it, was actually a pretty great, one of the few highlight numbers of the revival of Sweet Charity. Of, well, you know what, that's where that... This, the reason why Gogo Beach exists is yeah. because of the frug yeah. in Sweet Charity. When I was a kid, I would watch that and just be fascinated by those people dancing yeah. that way. And I thought, okay, I, why don't we have a full musical just like that? Certainly.
0: <laughs> I want to do that. So now, Colleen, I understand you, you've done a lot of other theater, and I'm wondering what the draw for you was to get involved.
8: It's exciting, I think, for any artist to be able to work on something from the ground floor up. I've been in the business now for, oh my god, I can't believe I'm saying this, 11 years. And I've you know, been pretty lucky in the jobs I've been getting. You know, I just left a show, mainly to actually come home and do this because it was going to be overlapping and I, I was on a layoff from a show and I decided not to go back with that show even though I was making t- great money to come home and um, I'm friends with uh, Mike, Mike and Brent, Mike Scheib and Brent Lord and I've been working on this demo and working on the show now for a couple of years and I really wanted to be a part of it and I'm glad that I can be a part of it because I think as an artist we really know even though it's not about the money sometimes it's about working on something you believe in and and what you love to do, and, and this is definitely something that I love to do, and I'm hoping that we can take it really far.
0: Yeah, what are some of those other things that you've done?
8: Um, I did uh, Jekyll and Hyde. I actually played opposite David Hasselhoff, Sebastian Bach, and Jack Wagner, and <laughs> Rob Evan, Rob Coutioli. Did didn't, you,
9: didn't you take the Linda eater role? Like, I did, Right I did. At a very young age. I was
8: 19, like. um, and I was got to be Linda Eder's understudy, which was probably... Like, one of my biggest accomplishments, because I was, like, her biggest fan. And and, uh, then when I was 21, I think they... I was a swing for about a year and a half, and they uh, gave me the role.
9: When can people catch Gogo Beach? We're on at the 37 Arts Theater. It's fantastic. From September 14th to the 23rd. All right. And uh, would you like to introduce the second song we're going to play? It's called... A boy like you. Um, this is Mindy's song. She sings when she falls in love with the surfer boy. She's complain. She's run away from her life. She's run away from her evil boyfriend, and she's talking about like what she wants in her life. And it's um, inspired by kind of uh, those old dusty Springfield Burt Bacharach style songs. Well, thanks for coming down and uh,
8: <laughs> thank you. Good thank you, you the final stretch.
9: <laughs> show ready. Thank you very much.
0: Come see Beach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i would like to remind everybody that you can find out more information on all the shows we're playing at our website, broadwaybullet.com. Just click on the Volume 4, and it'll take you to our forums. Or you can go to nymf.org for the New York Musical Theater Festival website. Tickets went on sale September 1st, and they're going fast. And some shows are even sold out. So if you're wanting to catch some of these shows, get there quick. You can go to their website, or you can call theatermania.com to get your tickets. Every week, Marty Cooper from The Colony at ColonyMusic.com comes in to give us his unique perspective as an insider into the world of musical theater. He calls his segment On the Positive Side. I want to make a quick note. We cut three segments at once for the next couple weeks, and we're all human and I had the mic pointing in the wrong direction so the sound quality is not what I normally hope for or what you expect from me but please bear through it because he has some great things to say and next time I record I will not make that effort we record in a little bit different situation than I normally do with him but sponsored by ColonyMusic.com here's On the Positive Side with Marty Cooper.
11: Hey I'm back again this week uh I I am sorry for being remiss on my information about shows coming to Broadway. There is a new revival, and we can't have a year without Sondheim, so we have Company coming back, and it's uh, it's done in much the same manner as Sweeney Todd was. I don't know how that will transfer to Company, I guess Company had a big giant score with electric guitars and strings, and I don't know how that's going to translate, but it'll be interesting. Now, I'd like to discuss, these are shows that were on Broadway, that should have been hits, and weren't, and some of them were critical hits, and they didn't last. One that comes to mind mostly, and this was the one that hurt the most, because I loved it, I love the work, I think it's one of the greatest pieces of music for musical theater written in the last 20 years, Uh, and that's a show called Chess. I remember when the album came out, in in 1984, Tim Rice was in my store, Colony Records. He asked me if I have the new recording of Chess. Me recognizing him said, uh, of course I do, Mr. Rice, how many would you like? And he took three of them. Kind of a funny little thing he says, and I think it was done in good humor. At the same time, Andrew Lloyd Webber's Requiem came out, And that was all over my front counter. I had like two bins of Andrew Lloyd Webber's Requiem because that was the big, long-awaited, you know, religious work. And he looked at it and he taps the album and he says get that crap off your counter you know (laughs) I found that quite amusing and I think he did it in the best of humor because I think despite everything that he and Mr. Weber are still or Lord Weber I should say are still good friends so I remember the recording I remember hearing Anthem for the first time I said what a great number this is you know I couldn't believe it and when I heard it was playing in London and then In 1988, coming to Broadway, I was absolutely thrilled. We went to see it and I was in love with the show, even after the big, it didn't do well with the critics, let's say. I remember loving the show and saying, what am I seeing that they didn't? Judy Kuhn was great as Florence and she did that great song, Someone Else's Story. And the late and great David James Carroll was fantastic. Uh, singing anthem. Philip Kasnoff was great. The whole cast was marvelous. And I was in love with it. And in fact, we had tickets to see it again. And they closed the darn thing before we went back. But later that year in January, David Carroll got together the whole cast of Chess. He got them into Carnegie Hall. In fact, Judy Kuhn had to come in from London. She was doing another flop called Metropolis. She had to come in from London for this concert. It just blew. 3,700 people away. If I'm not mistaken, January 9th or something like that. And it was a freezing night. And at the end of the show, we're walking outside. My wife says, we better get into the subway, take the train home. And I said, I gotta walk around a little bit. I can't get into a subway just yet. You know, it affected me that much. It's one of the greatest moments I've ever had in the theater. Uh, So where are you, Chess? We need you back. They're reviving everything. Come back to us. I'll go to one other show, Mac and Mabel. In my opinion, it's the best piece that Mr. Herman ever wrote. I've never seen it staged. I understand that the book has never been together. Uh, so I think it needs to find the book. and needs to be staged again because the music, if you just hear the overture, I think Bernadette Peters sounds fantastic on it. She does a great song, Wherever He Ain't. and. The already classic, Time Heals Everything. They should try to rethink that, and that should have a go, I think, on Broadway again. Thanks for listening, and until next week, keep on the positive side.
0: Remember, On the Positive Side is brought to you by ColonyMusic.com. You can find The Colony in New York City at 49th and Broadway or at ColonyMusic.com. They're your first-stop source for musical theater cast albums, sheet music, and even karaoke. Marty and his friendly staff are always there to answer all your questions and help you find just what you're looking for. In popular music, the worlds of hip-hop and rock are colliding more and more every day, and as more contemporary music comes to musical theatre, it seems that trend is even following into the musical theatre. We've got that with Kingdom that's being performed at the New York Musical Theatre Festival, and we've got two of the people involved with Kingdom
12: here in our studio. How are you doing? Good. Great. Would you like to introduce yourselves quickly? Yeah, I am Aaron Jafaris. I'm the one of the writers of Kingdom. I wrote all the words to the piece, the book and the lyrics. <laughs> and I'm Eric Louie. I'm the producer
0: of Kingdom. Do you want to start telling us what Kingdom is about, Aaron?
12: Yeah, Kingdom is based on stories of kids I grew up with in New Haven, Connecticut. And it tells the story of Andres and Juan, two Puerto Rican teenagers who joined the almighty Latin king and queen Nation. Their lives are not going too well up until the point they quit their Dunkin' Donut jobs, join the kings. From there on, things start to get better. They find God, they find family, community, start making some money. Kingdom tells the story of how Andres and Juan's friendship And uh, other relationships change while they're with the kings. They get into a conflict with a rival gang, the Sólidos. These are all real groups based in in, uh, New Haven. And then Andrés, the leader of the kings, uh, after the original leader gets shot by the Sólidos, leads the group into this cycle of violence and revenge or retaliation against the Sólidos that also kind of tears Juan and Andrés uh, who used to be best friends apart?
0: I don't know how much of America feels the same as me, but I don't. I don't. i never thought of Connecticut as being like kind of a gang area. <laughs>
12: <laughs> yeah, um, New Haven is a is a really interesting place. It's where I'm from, and I love it for that. You know, it has all this uh, all these universities and arts and whatnot, but it's also one of the poorest cities in the country, and. Um, so, yeah, there's lots of, actually, when I was growing up in, uh, in high school in particular, when crack was really big, there was so much gang violence that was happening, and that's one of the main reasons that I wanted to write this show, was to pay tribute to people who I grew up with who died. There was a, a low. things got a lot better, but now things are actually starting to heat up again. I think where there's poverty and a need for belonging, for strength, for power you're going to have things like this. Eric, what drew you as a producer to this project?
6: It sort of does exactly what I think theater should be doing right now, which is introducing a new sound, a fresh new sound that actually comes from, you know, the hip-hop world, the rock world, the Latin world. It's not, you know, musical theater's vision of hip-hop music. You know, Aaron actually comes from the hip-hop world. This is sort of what he's been doing. Ian is this, this awesome new, fresh composer who, you know, sort of, melds these different sounds together in an exciting new way that i don't think has been seen before while also you know adhering to you know the traditional tradition of you know musical theater which is telling a story that you know audiences care about what dates are the show we are running at the tbg theater from september 13th through the
0: 23rd we're going to play one of the songs here from kingdom would you like to take a second to introduce
12: it yeah, this is the first song in the show. The um, two teams, if you will, the, the Andres and Juan, who end up joining the Kings, and Hector and Danny, who are the two sólidos, members of the sólidos, kind of, they have this one drug-dealing spot at the start of the show, but they're friends. Hector and Danny are Andres' dealers. He buys some ecstasy and whatnot from them. And so at the start of the show, they're on this basketball court, Um, having a little freestyle cypher. They just start beatboxing, and then that turns into a basketball game and then starts to get a little bit more serious. All right, well, let's take a listen to
0: Concrete. Thanks for stopping by and talking with Broadway Bullet before your show goes up.
12: Thanks so much. Thank you. Okay. Suckin',
13: cause when you're stuck in the ghetto, everything is concrete. See the walls are concrete, the halls are concrete, the street is asphalt. But my balls are concrete. Yeah, all is concrete. Hit me, my jaw is concrete. The laws of the street are also concrete. Like if you're weak, you'll be broken. If you're soft, you'll get beat. So if you open your mouth, you better speak concrete like what? Huh, yeah, nah. What? Huh. Yeah, nah. What? What? Huh? Huh? Yeah, yeah, nah. I'ma whip you like a daddy make you run to your. Play, you should be wearing pajamas. I'll take you to the cleaners to clean the drool and the dangles from your lower lip back I Break your ankles. I'll take it to get to get an autograph copy of the x-ray taken from all different angles. Close your mouth, kid. Don't boast about the shit. You ain't even did that? let you hope to get hit. This ain't no dozy dough, so
7: don't play me so close. Cause even you won't know my you. Go coast to coast, so close to defeat,
13: so close to the rip, so close to getting beat, so close to dropping in, so close to getting stopped, getting blocked underneath, so close to getting popped in your head and tea. You're so close to danger, so close above it, so close to anger, so close to staying above it. Here in Fort Dale Park, you gotta be concrete, cause the people are concrete, the hugs are concrete, and the creeps that sell drugs are concrete. There's so much concrete, it soaks up the heat. It's so hot even fry it ain't on top of concrete Anyway, cause my stomach is concrete, I can eat anything. Even hummus, my diet is complete Some people see red, but I pee red Cause I even eat beets Oh, I'm an MC, so I even eat beets Punk, you don't eat beets, you eat boxes and munchkins Cause you and your boy both work at Dunkin' Donuts, flunkin' high school, making minimum
7: wage Next school old white ladies like three times your age You stunt like you're hard, but you really or
13: not You front like you rap, but you really hard rock So why don't you stop trying to run And sing it instead will get eaten People get beaten Break or get broken Speak or get spoken Fall, Take or get taken The chills will get got Shoot or get shot Forget or get forgot So close tonight that the fight Just might stop. so you better have so close to dark and so far from dark So hard to see, the streetlights are almost all gone The game is close, so close to laying down So post your man up, so made the jeans down Running so what together, we're so close to brawling No those we know no weather will shoot, shoot the ball And so close to action, the game runs both ways So close to good fun, so close to gunplay. play One sometimes need to hold Instead of moving your feet, you can always back down. You gotta be concrete if you need backup. That's why you got beat Cause when everything's hot when there's so much heat, the bonds that you form with your boys are concrete. Yeah, the bonds that you form with your boys are concrete. I see your pops oh, fishing in that dirty it. ass river, and oh, don't get If it the fish in. don't deliver. But still, here you are, carrying out forty boats. You can scrape ecstasy, then go back it. to your poor home until you swarm on my Spoke last fuck you get yourself from, yeah Your life really sucks. I chill on the head. They call your jaws on the head, they call you oh, oh, awesome oh, such a crappy kid. They shite right on the head, Sh- yes, you gotta get who would do what they get, cause they can't try oh, to sniff that too. If you just got here, I'm supposed to remind you, the coast is not clear. We closed the door behind you, you're closed in, you're trapped, and your hosts are not happy. So close your eyes tight, who knows what might happen? They never know whether the window will be you or I together from the beginning so close to die? so close to guts and so close to so close to get caught and so close to story. so close to night when they close the park is so close to light and so close to dark.
0: All right, we're gonna tell you the answer to the winning question for Stump the Staff. Calliope asked the drama bookshop to name first and last names of six of the real characters from a cry of players and Jessica had the right answer. She said, Anne and Susanna are Anne Hathaway and Susanna Shakespeare, Shakespeare's wife and daughter. Kemp, Ned, and Hemming were players in Shakespeare's company. Will Kemp, famous funny man, Edward Allen, dramatic actor, and John Hemming editor of the first folio. She was stumped for the sixth one for a little while, but came up with the answer that Sir Thomas is meant to be notorious killjoy Sir Thomas Lucy. So all you theater buffs, get to BroadwayBullet.com and submit your questions to Stump the Staff. You have until Thursday night or the first ten questions, whatever is first, and we do this every week. So what we'll start doing to make it a little bit easier to get your questions in is the instant we close out the ten questions for this week, We'll open up a new thread for you to start submitting for the following week. We'll narrow that window when we start getting more questions coming in. Remember, you don't have to be in New York City to participate because the Drama Bookshop ships everywhere. You can find them in New York City between 7th and 8th Avenues on 40th Street and online at dramabookshop.com. They're always your best selection for theater resource materials, films, plays, and a lot more. And, of course, they have a very knowledgeable staff to help you out dramabookshop.com. If you're an aspiring theater performer and singer, there's a great contest sponsored by the New York Musical Theater Festival for you. They're doing Broadway Idol, and they're having an open call on Monday, September 11th. You can find out more information of how to enter at nymf.org, but let me tell you that there's going to be three rounds of competition after the finalists are chosen from the open call, and the winner will receive an exclusive concert at Ars Nova to be produced by the New York Musical Theatre Festival. So warm up your voice and get ready to be crowned the first Broadway idol. They're also selling tickets for people to watch the contest live, so that'll be a lot of fun. Again, nymf.org. But let's get on with the show and into our next musical. It seems a new genre of musical theater has sprung up in the past few years with such irreverent works as You're in Town and Bat Boy Achieving Success, and in that framework we have another from the New York Musical Theater Festival that is based on the 1980s horror film The Children. We have a couple of the people involved with that production here. How are you doing? Good. Good. You? Mm-hmm. you want to take a second to introduce yourselves?
14: I am Maria De Cesare. I play Kathy in The Children.
15: Uh, I am Tony Speciale, and I am the director. Does someone
0: want to tell me a little bit about what The Children is about for those unfamiliar with the movie?
15: Sure. Uh, the Children, the musical, is based off of the 1980 horror flick called The Children, uh, which follows a group of New England rural farm kids on their way to school in the morning. Their bus passes through a low hanging cloud of radioactive waste and they're turned into zombies. Um, these zombies then come back to find their negligent parents and basically one by one off them by touching them with their radioactive hands and therefore microwaving them to death. So when do they sing? Um, well, that's interesting, yes. Uh, they sing. Ba- basically what we've done is we've, we've lifted um, a lot of the actual text from the movie, which we've been playing with um, <laughs> this very f- um, sort of flat dialogue, um, not very emotionally charged, but very understated. Going from that in the scene, which which represents these certain characters not able to articulate their true desires and feelings and emotions, um, there's an impasse in the real life. And so that's, that's why the dialogue remains flat. And then at a certain key moment, once they make a connection with each other, they burst into these songs, which explore their inner passions and desires and hope. And then as soon as a song is over, they go back to this very flat, emotionless feel until the next song comes. As I understand, this has been previously produced a few times.
14: hmm I was Well, it actually started at NYU. The playwright and the composer and I were classmates and it was, it was kind of thrown together. It was rehearsed in two weeks, it was written in two weeks. The playwright was just very enamored with the original film um, in the scary 80s. It always stuck in his head. So it was done at NYU and it just took on a life after that. The cast really connected with the piece, people that saw it. really just liked it and it sort of developed kind of a cult-like low-budget following and then over the past almost 10 years it's been produced it's been fully mounted two other times and since then it's just been workshopped and taken around to different producers and this is the most fully realized version of it so far and it's incorporating lots of elements from those three different productions it's really exciting to see it finally come together in the nymph situation where it's a cast that's just fabulous and we it's funny to hear people talk about how it's a low-budget situation. With the festival, where we've had we've had a low budget before, that really gives new meaning to the word low budget, and <laughs> sort of twenty-five dollars, kind of low budget. So this is—it's very exciting to see, even though it's certainly there's challenges dealing with a festival, and there's not tens of thousands of dollars being spent on props and costumes. But it's, it's really exciting to see it have this level of production at this point.
0: As I understand, that you're the only remaining original cast member.
14: I am. I was in the original cast. And the original play was written with certain actors in mind, and again, it was done sort of so quickly, it was done with the player and composer's friends in mind, people who would be willing to sort of rehearse for two weeks and throw it together. So I have such an affection for this show, and Stanley called me and asked if I was available, and I literally was able to just shove everything aside. I can't imagine not being in the show. It's such a fabulous collaboration between the music and the script, and it's been going on for so long, I feel like I have a bit of an emotional investment in it. So, yes, I am the original cast member who played this role. (laughs) All
0: right, would you like to introduce the first song we're going to play from the children?
14: Sure. Well, it's called I Loved You Before You Were Born. It's the character I play, Kathy. She's pregnant with her third child, and right before the song happens, there's just been a really (laughs) fabulous show-stopping, very high-energy number, and... Kathy sits down, she cracks open a beer and has a cigarette, and she is pregnant. And this is this is sort of a, a takedown moment for her. This does speak a lot about, if you will, her inner life. I
1: loved you before you were born. Mm-hmm. I value your life though I mourn. Where went my own life? I'm not sure. There are certain things people just need Mommies and daddies as well You may call it lust, call it greed Will you understand them? I can't tell But I've tried to live my life without incident buzz that gets you through a still night or what a quick Marlboro does or when you ask a stranger for a light others do lines by the yard or pick men up at bars or worse though I haven't in years it's still hard like living adult life in a herd What in the world? John, have you gone crazy? Are you alright? I'm fine. Where's Clarky? He's in bed, asleep. John! Billy, what's going on here? Where is Jenny?
2: We didn't find her! Yes, I
1: tried to.
0: Tony, you're the new kid on the block with the production, aren't you? I certainly am. <laughs> what kind of challenges do you see with the show as a director coming in fresh when so many people have been doing this for a long time?
15: Well, I feel like uh, in a lot of ways I'm playing catch up, and I think that's not necessarily a bad thing. Obviously, Maria and Hal Goldberg, the composer, and Stan Richardson, the playwright, have been they've spent a, l- a long time on this project, almost 10 years, and so they know it very intimately. So I walk in and I have, you know, very specific reactions to certain moments and I hope that because I am a fresh face and I have fresh eyes that I'm able to clarify certain moments that may be dramaturgically out of focus or just I can heighten some of the things that are already there and just basically realize physically what their what the essence of the piece is. I definitely use them as a compass to refer to the previous versions just to know how they did certain things because a lot of issues come up when you transpose a, a film to a, a theater piece you know. Um, and one of the things I'm, I was interested in doing with this production is how can we borrow the elements of filmmaking and transpose that to theater making You know, the way that the script is written and the music there are lots of opportunities for uh, close-ups and crossfades and sort of montage moments and all those things that have been done s- certainly in previous versions but I think I gravitate towards the form of that, I think maybe more than past versions it's been going really well you know and uh, rehearsals can be frustrating not in a bad way but just because we all have we're all very strong minded people and so we agree to disagree and in that hopefully comes something much more remarkable than anyone could have ever imagined but it's a challenging experience and I do feel like I'm playing catch up a lot but I think Ultimately, that will be in the show's best interest.
0: So how did they find you for the production?
15: Uh, last summer, I assistant directed a musical called Once Around the Sun uh, at the Zipper Theater in New York. And I befriended two of the associate producers, uh, Charlie Maffei and Gary Maffei. And they, uh, we, we've kept in contact over the past few months, briefly here and there, and then I got an email out of the blue in June asking me what my availability was like. And they, um, were, uh, they offered me uh, an interview with the composer and writer. And luckily we all had a barbecue and we hit it off very well. And the rest is history. And, and now we're in our th- third, week, third week of rehearsal. Wow. <laughs>
0: Now, there's a lot of works in the in the festival based on previously existing material, but it's, most of them seem to be based on public domain for mm. a good reason. Um, uh, you're one of the few uh, new shows that I've seen who's attempted to clear the rights to an existing property, and I was wondering if you had a little insight as to the difficulties in the process it was clearing the rights for the children to be done we, as a musical. We've attempted
14: and succeeded, finally. <laughs> well, the the original production was done at NYU, and the playwright was a fan of the filmmaker, and he contacted him in a if sort of... Secondary kind of way, sort of saying, "Hey, you know, we're doing the show. It'd be kind of fun if you want to see." And it turned out he lived two blocks away, so he came to see the show and he loved it. Fortunately or unfortunately, the show didn't end there. So it began. We realized at that point, wanting to shop it around to various producers, no producer would look at us if we didn't have any sort of clearance for the rights. And originally, we used—I mean, the script. A lot of it is lifted directly verbatim from the film, so there was there was no derivative work sort of aspect justification happening here. Basically, over the past eight or so years, there were a lot of began with just meeting in a cafe with the filmmaker and sort of banging out what we saw for the show. I mean, we had high hopes for the show, but we also had no money and no attorney. So a process of we had attorney from the Volunteer Lawyers for the Arts that helped us and various people really pitched in. Finally, literally, I think it was this past year, the playwright and the composer, Helen Stanley, they met with Carlton, the filmmaker, and just finished it finally just there was a contract and it's done now and whatever incarnation of the show happens there's certain percentages and all that kind of standard stuff that's happening so everybody's happy and we can we have free and clear rights to the show and that's not a problem anymore but yeah it was a bit of a process it was something that as theater students we didn't really think of it's like oh you know we can use some clips from the movie it makes the show better and then there's all that legal stuff So finally that's done. I think it makes it kind of more exciting now too. There was always that cloud sort of hanging over us of how far can we really go with this if we don't have any sort of legal right to actually perform it.
15: Where can they go and when dates? They should come to the TBG Theater, which is located at 312 West 36th Street. Um, And the performance dates, uh, they run from uh, September 12th through the 24th as of now.
0: Would uh, one of the two of you like to introduce the second song we're going to play from the show?
15: Sure. Uh, This next song is called Key to Your Heart, and uh, this is an example of... A song that um, follows a very flat scene between our two lovers, Um, but it's not a typical love scene. These are two people that um, are pretty much bored with their lives in this small rural town, and they're at the watermelon stand uh, talking about how many sales they've made that day. It's the deputy and the local farm girl named Susie. And uh, out of nowhere, this love song bursts and um, explores their true desires and what they can't say in the scene.
0: Well, thanks for coming down to talk with us, and good luck with getting the show ready. Thank you. Thank you. Thank
2: you. I can see your soul through your eyes And it's saying for every lock There's
4: a key, the door to the soul Never lies Inside. Oh, it's warm inside It's cold out here
7: Don't you agree? You say that every- to burst, but before you can unlock it, hug and kiss me first, I have here the key to your heart. Soon I'll explode
0: Could Be Love is a two-person musical that is receiving its New York premiere with the New York Musical Theater Festival. The creators are still in Canada, but the lead actor from the program is here in New York. Graham Rowett,
16: how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Great. Well, do you want to tell us a little bit about This Could Be Love? Yes. Well, this is a, uh, as you mentioned, is a two-hand musical that had its uh, world premiere in Toronto back in 2003, and it was such uh, an amazing success. It instantly transferred to a larger venue and and had a second run. Now it's involved in The Nymph, and it's finally getting its New York premiere. It's a guy and a girl. When the the show starts, they're uh, in a bar, they are waiting for their dates, and they are stood up. And they're sick and tired of it, so they decide to take fate into their own hands, and they're very intelligent people. They say, let's decide to fall in love with each other. Let's take fate into our own hands, and that's, that's what we're going to do. And, well, of course, hilarity ensues. It has all of the ridiculousness of the situation and all of the um, hyper-intelligent songs that come from these characters, but it also ends up finding an amazingly sweet and, and wonderfully... Poignant and moving love story.
0: Did the writers have to license
16: this from Dharma and Greg? <laughs> no. Well, <laughs> who else was I thinking? Or, or a little Harry, and, Harry and sally maybe there. Okay. Yeah, uh, maybe a blend of both. No. <laughs> well, the writer, Brock Simpson, is, is uh, <laughs> literally we rehearsed a few days ago, and when we came to the end of the rehearsal, the director uh, said, My first note is for Brock, and it's, it's right here. Number one Brock is crazy can't believe somebody had the the brilliance to to come up with a love story like this that is pretty much a love story of 10 years crammed into an incredibly small time and also backwards you've done a few other things of note on broadway haven't you i was in the cast of uh, beauty and the beast for a little while and dracula the musical and then i was off on the road with les for a while this is the first time i've been involved in a in a a show that this size and this uh, where the demands are so intense on me and oddly in sort of a masochistic way that is what is so fulfilling to, to get involved in a project that requires you to use every one of your skills and to, to the highest degree and, and you have to sing, you have to act, you have to handle the, the broad comedy and also the incredible, sincere, uh, honest emotions and uh by the end you're exhausted and incredibly satisfied i sometimes liken it to you know we all question whether we are doing the right thing with our lives whether we've chosen the right career path and there are a lot of moments especially in in theater where you doubt that and when i uh finished a run through the other night i realized that was that feeling that inner peace when you go i think uh, this is this was right this is the right career yeah.
0: what are some of the dynamics doing
16: a two person show? you have to rely on your imagination we're making this show, not, I don't want to say simple, but two actors on a stage with minimal props and sets, you have to imagine all the different environments that you are taking these characters to uh, and also you rely on your, uh, your, your partner, they are your lifeline and, and Krista Sutton uh, who has been involved with this production since 2003 and won accolades for her, her performance back then, is brilliant, and, and I couldn't ask for a, a better partner on that stage.
0: Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about, you know, Kenny, your career after uh, we play the first song from This Could Be Love. Do you want to introduce the first song here?
16: The first song is called uh, Tonight, and uh, in it the two characters have not only decided to fall in love, but they say, well, why don't we get married this very night? So uh, they head off to an Indian reserve uh, that allows them to get married that very night.
17: I played the patient receiver, who counted the kids on her side, who dreamed of a love hottest fever, and in the crossword on Friday night, no more excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm clutching my hat in my hand.
2: I was outrageously old fish spent friday nights in the bath everyone told me to go fish but now i'm off of the beaten path no more the half and half creamer who waits for the decaf to come tonight i'm a dude in a beaver who heeds the beat of the jungle grub. Like Bogart. I'm making rollouts in swing.
7: All
0: right, Graham, your career seems to be at that kind of that tipping point. You've gotten to the point where you uh Gotten some choice, you know, tasty roles, but you're not necessarily first call, you know, without without looking too far in the future. Right. I think of a lot of interest if there's any, like you know, like college students or people studying theater mm-hmm. right now listening is how do you get from where they are even to this tipping point? Isn't
16: right, That's right, right, right. Most right. people don't achieve. Um, of course, my manager hates you right now for saying I'm not the first call, but I. It's it's the reality of uh, the business. There's sort of a couple questions there, and I think I, I love to, to discuss the, 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 the when I was in school. And I
0: well, look, before we even start to make sure because we said what shows you were in, but sure. but we didn't mention the roles you played. Sure, you were the
2: Beast
16: in, um, the, in, the, in the Beast. Well, that was just it. Yeah. So so the dichotomy here uh, with with me as an actor is that I, I'm uh, I'm six four, I have uh, a bit this big baritone voice, and when you're in your twenties you go into an audition and it's not easy to cast a young man with an older sound, but I was ideal in many respects to be an understudy. So I understudied the beast. I understudied Gaston in, um, the Broadway production of beauty and the beast, but also the Toronto production where, which is where my career sort of started. And, uh, And then I was, you know, I wasn't old enough to play Javert and Les Mis, but I was perfect to understudy Javert. The real story of my career has been about aging into my look and my sound, which has finally happened. And uh, (laughs) uh, the big sort of watershed was last uh, Christmas when... I was cast opposite my wife Kate Baldwin in the San Francisco production of White Christmas and that was the first time I really got to be a leading man. We played opposite each other in the Bing Crosby, Rosemary Clooney roles and and that was, it felt like my journey was, it's been leading to that and and hopefully that is the shape of things to come. For the people out there who are in school, uh, who are wondering where do I go from there, that I think is a fascinating question. If you're in a musical theatre program, I would—I can't stress enough the, 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 the work you put into your acting skill, because for every 500 people out there who uh, can sing the song, the number of people who can sing it and act it are, are, are very few. That is my little nugget of wisdom, which I'm sure every musical theatre teacher is probably going to know anyway. But that, I think, is the most valuable thing, because you come in and they don't expect you to be able to act. Sometimes, and when you do, they throw up their hands and they say, "Thank God, this one can act."
0: All right. so if people want to catch you in uh, this could be love." What are the dates that they can go see the show?
16: The dates are going to be, we're running from September 18th to September 29th. And what theater is it at? We're at the Sage Theater.
0: Well, I'd definitely like to thank you for coming down and chatting, Graham. Thank you, sir. Uh, would you like to introduce one more song from This Could Be Love?
16: I we would love out. to. This is uh, a song that happens roughly in the middle where the two characters have found a moment of, of wonderful uh, clarity and love, and uh, I think it's a, it's it's one of my favorite songs in the show.
17: There was music I'd never true, are drawing back the folds before their are sick.
2: existed, lavender, burgundy, and indigo, there were spices I'd never even tasted, cardamom, tarragon, and sage, now the flowers I never knew the names of, like hollyhock, and anemone are spreading out their petals like angel wings and blossoming for you and me every little thing resides How you curl your feet beneath you, how you stir your coffee, the time it always takes you to the rise, the you choose, Say my name, whisper, don't move, your breath upon my brow, the sense of you falling and following, I love the rhythmic melody, your toothbrush, I love your innocence, reflection in the pots and pans The space between the midnight and the morning Where everything shines, everything
7: crackles,
2: everything stands
0: up Volume 4 of Broadway Bullet. Remember, please take a quick moment and give us a great review in iTunes, or discuss our show on the forums at broadwaybullet.com. It's really going to help us secure some amazing talent for you to listen to in the future. Visit nymf.org or our website for more information on the shows we've played. You can also catch this program syndicated on Broadway World Radio at broadwayworld.com. You can catch the best show tunes in some great programs, including Seth's Broadway Chatterbox, Jim Caruso's Cast Party, The Wicked Stage, and every evening, their top six requests at 6. On next week's program, we will have an interview with the dance program School Days, Gutenberg the Musical, Paisley Sisters Christmas Special, and more. So be sure to come on back. Until then, I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, and you've been listening to Broadway Bullet. So, a little more about our brand new theater and business arts major. I know what most theater programs are like and I've talked to thousands of artists. All of this told me that a new style of theater major was needed. Theater majors can get a pretty good arts education just about anywhere, but most programs do very little to prepare actors, directors, playwrights, technicians, producers, etc., to manage their careers. When you go into the arts, you are your own business, and you need to manage that to strategically plan for your career to grow. If you've listened to many of these interviews... You know you need to be self-starters to create your own opportunities. I'm going to make sure you are ready for that world. You'll get a ton of opportunities as an undergraduate. Actors will act, even as freshmen. Designers will design shows right away. Playwrights will see their shows mounted. Directors will direct. Producers will handle shows from inception to execution.